0: Sox fans, here
1: are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome, everyone. The Bastards are back for this midweek edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you have not already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, hit the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Oakland Athletics dropping the series two games to one. They are currently still in the lead in the AL East, one and a half games ahead of the Toronto Blue Jays. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can also find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the mile-high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Good finish. Oh, yeah. I mean, tonight
0: was a night, especially, and everyone was raking double-A, triple-A, the majors. Can't ask for more than that.
1: Yeah, we'll probably get into some of that uh, in a little bit if we have time. Uh, as far as the miners go, uh, also joining us tonight from the nation's ca- excuse me coming to us from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island. Job Goddard, Job, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. You know, since our last episode, I've been to Camden twice. Going back again on Friday, I'm loving life.
1: Were, were both those games wins or just one?
2: I got to see both Sox wins, and I am going to see the Yankees lose to them on Friday. And oh, tomorrow,
1: I should say. Means isn't pitching, is he? John Means?
2: No, uh. no, we're missing Means in the series, uh. unfortunately.
1: Well, hopefully it's not Matt Harvey because he has gone into the toilet. He, he,
2: since you said he was good, too. I know. I had, had how that how
1: tweet, and then the back. fourth inning happened, and then he started. That was it. My tweet was the, was the turning point. And uh, yeah, so I don't like him much anyway, so it's fine. So uh, for the listening audience, I just need to kind of uh, update you guys on something. We're kind of going to be tinkering with the format a little bit starting next week uh, with the Sunday show, actually. We're going to be doing studs and duds uh, for the series recap and then a series preview. And it's going to be a, a little bit shorter of a format. 45 to 60 minutes is what the goal is. And then 24 hours later, we're going to be releasing a Hot Take Tuesday episode. And that will be every week. If you guys want to chime in, I have just set up a new email account. It is bastards underscore Boston at gmail.com. You can submit your hot take, whether it's good or bad uh, about the Red Sox, or it could be an MLB-wide take if you would like. We'll read it on the air. We'll shout you out, and we will react to your hot take. So that's kind of a way for you guys to participate with us And uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So that's Hot Take Tuesdays. And then the midweek show is going to be the same. It's going to be studs and duds uh, with the series preview. Again, hopefully within the 45 to 60 minute window. And then 24 hours later, we're going to be releasing the Red Sox top five deep dives to where we get into all kinds of hot button topics. We might bash the Yankees in there. We might uh, occasionally do an MLB-wide uh, topic if the story uh, justifies it. And then finally, uh, on the weekend, Doug James and I will be doing the Bastards Investigate, which is an MLB-wide show. So part of the the goal for all of this is to kind of shorten up the shows, clean them up a little bit, and you guys can pick and choose what you like, and we'll... Uh, you know, kind of adjust accordingly as, as we go along. It's, uh, it's ever evolving. And uh, use that email address again, bastards underscore Boston at gmail.com. And you can also just submit general feedback, uh, what you like, what you don't like, maybe suggestions, anything you want. We're, uh, we're pretty open and collaborative. So just wanted to throw that out there. It's going to be a fun week, and uh, the content's going to be spread out, and I'm very confident you will all enjoy it. So having gotten through that, let's uh, let's get on with the show. Studs and duds for this Oakland series. Uh, Andrew, you're in the leadoff spot. Who is your stud for the series?
0: Well, it's going to be fresh in everyone's
1: brain. My stud, my Mia Moore.
0: Garrett Richards been riding that bandwagon, been driving that bandwagon since day one, and he is showing up. I He showed us everything we wanted to see. He continued with his new delivery, new release point, consistent release point, and he just absolutely brought it. At, they needed a stopper. And they got a stopper performance tonight. This is what we've always seen out of like their one or two guy in the rotation. And granted, we don't really have a designated one or two guy in the rotation this year. But Richard stepped up, six innings of zero runs. Um, he had that excitement with Canha, uh, kan- and which Eckersley I thought was going to like jump out the booth and strangle him in the middle of his uh, next pitch, but. It was great to see. You know, he showed just a bunch of piss and vinegar, just fire on the mound. It's everything you want out of the guy that you want to lead that rotation, and he's taken over that um, mentality. So, since first start, his first three innings of 2021, where he gave up eight runs, his uh, following 38 and two thirds, he's led up t- uh, 10 earned runs for a 2.33 ERA. That's insane. Like, this is what they thought they were getting when they went with the full, um, like, cast signing method of this offseason, which has turned out to be pretty good so far, knock on wood. But his spin rate's been great. He's found his release point. Shout out Dave Bush. Uh, let's see how long we can keep this train rolling.
1: Joe, thoughts on Richard's?
2: My favorite part of today was actually after the game, right before we jumped on the show, I was listening to the WEI post-game show, as I often do, uh, after listening to the Nessun broadcast, and Garrett Richards said all the right things after competing and and pitching his butt off today, so there's nothing but positive things to say about Garrett Richards today, and that hurts me inside to say, because I was getting hate on Twitter all day for my Garrett Richards is, is garbage takes that I've had since the offseason. Um, but it feels good to be wrong at this point. Uh, Dave Bush is the MVP for the Red Sox, in my mind, for what he's done with Garrett Richards, among others.
1: Basically, the key observation I've made for the last two or three starts now is he looks very relaxed. There's not many tense moments. If runners get on, it's it doesn't get away from him. So that's, that's nice to see. Strikeouts weren't too high uh, this time around, only five, but there were a lot of uh, contact outs, you know, fly ball outs, ground outs. Again, very much in control. And another thing that's probably helped him, and I'm not discrediting him with this at all, but the last couple of starts he has had the benefit of run support, and he did not have that early on. They we weren't giving him any run support. So... It's kind of nice to see him relax a little bit, and he pitched well at home, and he's not my favorite player, you know, I'm still, I I guess my only skepticism from here, and it's not a huge one, but he hasn't pitched 25 starts in a season, so that's really the the only real question I have at this point, other than maybe big games, what's he gonna look like in Yankee Stadium? How's he gonna handle the pressure? So but I can't I literally can't take anything away from him. He's he's been stable and truth be told, coming into this game, I felt pretty good about it. I just felt like he You know, Terry,
2: was... just to just to work off of that a little bit, you mentioned run support and the last thing that he mentioned on the post game show is The ability to kind of, I think the quote was, let his shoulders down a little bit and kind of breathe normally because he got such early run support and that it's been great that the guys are carrying him as much as he's trying to help carry the the team. And I think to him that means a lot as well as good defense. He had great defense behind him tonight, uh, both in the infield and the outfield. So he seemed very, very pleased with his teammates and like I said, he was saying all the right things about how his teammates deserve the win more so than he does. And we love hearing that in Boston. It's the opposite of the David Price approach he took in his first two starts. And uh, I- I'm starting to like what I'm hearing from him. I wonder if somebody had a conversation with him about Boston media and Boston fans.
1: Uh, who, who knows? I mean, maybe a guy like Bogart's stepped up but that we're, we're wildly speculating there i do want to add one last thing though since andrew touched on it uh dennis eckersley he said one word which triggered one of the biggest controversies of the last decade back in 2017 he said yuck that's it that's all it took and david price lost his mind and it all went down on the charter jet he destroyed Garrett Richards tonight. Like he spent a good 2 minutes just destroying Garrett Richards for throwing at his head. And you know, he there's never really a reason to throw at someone's head, but he he was policing the game. He was policing the game. What's his name? Mark Canna tried to take a a cheap on base by, you know, getting hit. And the ball went up near his head. So it's one of those things where the home team is never really going to complain about it. But, but yeah. So any thoughts on on Ellis? Yeah, go ahead.
0: Ellis Burks even said what everyone was thinking. He wasn't throwing at his head. He just threw it up. And, I mean, we've seen – garrett richards he that ball doesn't stay straight so you know if it cuts a little bit it cuts a little bit and red sox stats on twitter actually posted the quotes of the a's broadcast during it and it was huh message delivered yep count even at one and one so (laughs) they wouldn't even give a shit like you know eckersley was the one losing his mind over it it's like dude he he wasn't gonna try to just like ear hole him you know he was trying to throw it up and it got away a little bit. None of his pitches, like I said, are straight as a ruler. Those things are, you no one knows where it's going. Would he try to show, throw it maybe like chest high next time? Yeah, like shoulder shoulder height. I don't. He wasn't trying to hit him in the
2: head. I couldn't agree more. I don't think he was aiming for his head. I, I was kind of confused by Eckersley's animation there because Eckersley was never one of the guys who. Kind of pitched calmly, right? He's always one of these guys with fire. So when he pitched, people did that all the time, and Eckersley's guilty of it as well. You know, rushing people back. He's never had an issue with it. If Pedro was up there doing it, we would just say, "Oh, well, that's Pedro." Pedro used to do that three, four times a game. Guy gets too close to the plate, you throw it up and in. Oh, uh, yeah. I just think that maybe there was some, you know, some nudge from people to for Eckersley to be a little bit more critical uh, about some of the unwritten rules. Maybe, maybe that's from the decent broadcast team. I don't know.
0: Is, is it just. I don't know because, the, go like. Ahead. Go sorry, ahead. really quick. I'll be quick. But, like, Eckersley was destroying Conforto for doing the same thing when they had the two game Mets series. So you're pissed off about that. Now you're pissed off about this. Like, can we get an, you know, just in between here? We got to find common ground. You know, it's like, like yeah, send a message. But, uh, let's maybe hit him in the ass next time. But obviously, you didn't want to hit him because there were two guys on base, too.
1: Is it just me, or is that a big problem in 2021? Because I don't remember it ever being so prolific in previous years. It just seems like the pitchers are so far ahead of the hitters now. That's why we're hearing all the talk about moving the mound, lowering the mound, all that, that they're just suddenly willing to take it on base by any means necessary. And if that means sticking their elbow out, they're going to do it.
0: I mean, you're more likely to strike out than you are to get a hit. So if you get... Keep the line moving somehow or another. You got to do it because, I mean, ju- just go on Pitching Ninja Twitter and just imagine trying to actually have to hit that to earn a living. It's a- <laughs> it's not a thing.
1: That shouldn't be a
2: thing. So I'm going to be honest. I forgot who the hitter was. Who, who uh, his elbow Marcus. Out, but I know that he's. Canna. So Marcus Canna. He's been struck nine times this season. That's a concerted effort. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you went back and look at them, so I, I went back and looked at it. Joe Ciglione mentioned it on the broadcast for EI. I went back and looked at him. He's sticking his elbow out there a good three, four inches over the plate, and it's not the first time. That's a concerted effort. He's wearing a big, fat pad on his elbow. He's waiting for where he expects a curveball, and he's just sticking it out there to get hit. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's a, you know, I'm going to keep the line moving moment, like Andrew said, not at all.
0: Yeah, if you're wearing more armor than a medieval soldier, like you're you know, you shouldn't be leaning your elbow out there on a seventy-eight mile an hour curveball. It it's not even gonna hurt. So you don't deserve to take your base. And good on the ump for also yelling at him right immediately after, even before Vasquez and Richards could get pissed off.
1: Yeah, somebody got hit. I don't remember it was in a Red Sox series, but it was earlier in the year, probably three or four weeks ago, and it was just so obvious he didn't move, and the umpire didn't give him the base. So uh, I'm glad yeah, they That was a
2: Mets series as well. That was also a Mets game. Okay. Um, and, yeah, and that was, a, that was a big deal early. I'm glad they almost are consistent on that as well.
1: They're being vigilant. Yeah, absolutely. Job, your stud for the series.
2: My stud for the series is Hunter Renfro. Uh, he... He was probably going to be my stud even before tonight, but he had a great night tonight. He went three for nine in the series, a couple of RBIs. He had a great defensive play today, uh, both to end the game, but also earlier on in the game. I know we were up eight to one at that point, but to stop the run scoring on tagging up from third base on that fly ball to right field, he gummed that ball into the infield. Uh, And a couple of stats that I was looking at that I sent you, Terry, before the show He's hitting 270 in his last 15 games, and if you narrow that down to his last seven games, which I understand is the three games in this series, the four Orioles games where everybody was hitting, he's hitting 307. He's finally starting to really pick it up. He's got his average up to the two, the high 230s, low 240s. Last I checked, and he's showing a little bit of power. the The bottom of the order is not a black hole if Hunter Redfro can hit 245, 250.
1: Uh, Andrew, go ahead. Keep running on him.
0: Just keep running on him. It's ridiculous what he's doing, and the not just hitting the ball. He hasn't really hit the ball out of the ballpark, but he's hitting it 110 plus every single time. Just absolutely barreling it. He is not even counting for tonight's run saved, which he'll get another one. He was second in the major or third in the majors. That's a, I think um, ahead of guys like Trout. That's not even close, just some of the elite fielders in Major League Baseball, and he is just lapping them. It's crazy. I always knew he was, you know, he came up bad fielder. He knew it. He owned it. There was an article about how he said, I'm going to dedicate my offseason to this. And since then, he's been a plus plus defender out there. And even if he's not hitting, he's providing extreme value. Uh, for as bat, uh, much of a black hole as he kind of was with his bat, he's a over. He's close to a, a one overall war right now, and that's really hard to do just with defense. And he's pulling it off. We, it's No one saw it coming this good, and he's saving some pitchers. He's letting Verdugo take it a little easier in center field. I'm so happy that they have him, and they have him for cheap too, which is it's a good deal. You can pick up his option. You could probably trade him if you wanted to because it's only going to cost you like $4.5 and, and that's that's a bench bat these days.
2: You know, before Terry jumps in and we move on from this point, I remember our episode when they signed Hunter Renfro. I went back and listened to it uh, yesterday, actually, just for this conversation because I wanted to talk about Hunter Renfro besides tonight. And we were talking about who's going to play right field. We don't have two center fielders on this team the way that we used to have two center fielders and Pilar and Mookie. We don't have enough defense in the outfield. Hunter Renfro has proven us very, very wrong. He could easily play center field in most major league ballparks the way he's playing right right now. It's fantastic. And with his bat hitting 240, that's higher than his career average. That's what we should expect from Hunter Renfro this season. And if he can do that and play stellar defense – We're going to be in good shape because if the lineup is good one through seven instead of one through five, we're in really, really good shape offensively.
1: I'm still a huge skeptic as far as the offense, but the defense is legit. I mean, you're either good defensively or you're not, and he's got a cannon of an arm. I'd be curious to see what his defensive, like just his velo – from you know the outfield to home, outfield to third, compared to Jackie Bradley, I mean Bradley would fire bullets all day long, and I think we we can still agree that he's the best outfielder we've ever seen uh, defensively. But so I, I like what I'm seeing there. I um, it was fun to see. I think it was Chapman try to leg out that triple and and get no, gunned down. And there there's nothing that more was ninety
0: two. That was 92 miles an hour to answer your previous question. Okay. Yeah, you threw that.
1: <laughs> I'm guessing Bradley just was – I looked up his average. Yeah.
2: I just looked up his average for Renfro. His hardest ever is 101.8 wow. from right field to home plate, and his average is 94 miles an hour. Okay. So he's my emergency pitcher in, in any situation at this point. <laughs> but you're, you're right, Terry. He's actually got more defensive runs saved this season than Jackie Bradley does in Milwaukee. So when you think about that, he's playing as good in right field as anyone has played at Fenway, you know, whether it be Mookie or otherwise over the course of the last ten years. It's it's tough to argue with his defense.
1: Yeah, and I was just about to say when he gunned down Chapman at third, I mean, that's really satisfying because if you're if you need that out so bad and, and you can't have a runner on third whether it's no outs or one outs, and then and then they get gunned down by their own stupidity. I mean, there's not many more things more satisfying than that. So, um,
0: and really ahead. quick fun fact the Red Sox drafted, drafted him as a catcher uh, before he signed and went back to school. Really? So maybe emergency catcher, uh, if can't go or he pulls up lame and Vasquez is playing DH or something, bring it on. I don't want to see anyone run on him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean we we don't have Arroyo back and I guess he's the uh emergency catcher if uh I hope so. If if the sky falls. But my stud for the series is gonna be Nathan Evoldi had uh his best start in quite a while. Uh, you know, basically had a one-two-three first. He walked Chapman in the second, a one-two-three third. Uh, Gave up his first hit finally in the uh, fourth inning to Matt Olson. And then uh, a one, two, three, fifth gave up a hit to Marcus Canna uh, in the sixth inning. That ended up being his final inning and his uh, homerless streak continues. Has not given up a home run in uh, 2021 yet. Just to kind of give you guys, uh, or the audience rather, uh, an idea of how bad he was coming into this. Uh, His start, his last start on May 6th, gave up six earned runs. His April 30th start actually wasn't too bad, just gave up one earned run. But then his uh, start April 24th, five earned runs. April 19th, four earned runs. So, Voldy was a guy we badly needed to to right the ship and and give us a, a solid outing like he did his first few and and he did that and only two hits through six innings is is very impressive and it's good to see we need that going forward.
0: Yeah, unfortunately the bats couldn't back him up and that kind of just set the tone there. But yeah, they I mean, he gave them a win worthy performance and what more can you ask out of him? the guy's consistently pumping 98 99 all year. Um, he's gonna look great as a number three or four you know down the line if Chris sale comes back in the summer and Erod who actually started getting his velocity back a little bit the other night, you know comes back and is a number two. Evaldi this is the start if he gives us this every five days, this is dangerous. Like, they're good, but that will make them absolutely dangerous. No team is going to have that kind of pitch- pitching depth. And I just hope he ho- – you know, fingers crossed he stays healthy.
2: Yeah, I'm going to just kind of bounce off of that. He threw 102 pitches uh, in that game. It looked like he was going to only get through four at one point early, and it wasn't hit. It was just long at bat. I think through two innings, he was at 42 pitches or something thereabout. I remember texting in the chat about it, our private chat. Like, we really need him to go deep because the, the bullpen is taxed. We've been talking about it for the last two shows. Bullpen needs a break. He dug deep and gave us 102 pitches. But we really need him to stay healthy. So I don't want him throwing 102 pitches. Like, of the guys who are throwing 102 pitches, we had a debate last week about, you know, Martin Perez and whether or not Martin Perez should be pulled when he has 77 pitches. Let Martin Perez throw 102 pitches the way he was pitching. But get Evaldi out around 85, 90 pitches and pass the ball up to somebody else. Because if he gets hurt, there's a glaring hole in this rotation that right now we would not be able to plug in, say, a Tanner Houck because he's, he's hurt, or a Siebel because he's dealing with Uh, elbow inflammation so right now there's really not the depth that we were counting on uh, at the minor league level so you can't afford him to get hurt Uh, I was a little bit upset that he went back out there for that last inning
1: he was having trouble uh, the second or third time through the order and so that was kind of where where we needed to see some improvement and he did I I do have kind of a counterpoint to that, Joe, but I'm gonna tie it in with my uh, with my dud, and we'll kind of we'll kind of expand on that uh, pretty quick here. Um, just some honorable mentions to uh, get through here. Uh, JD Martinez, four for eleven, um, had a three for four night tonight. Uh, drove in a run. Uh, drove in. Uh, one of the only two runs in that frustrating first loss there. Um, Aside from that, uh, oh, of course, Michael Chavis. Let's talk about him. I got some thoughts on Michael Chavis. And let, let me just start off by saying, I was asking myself earlier in the day, has he done enough to kind of justify Next week when some tough decisions are going to have to get made because Kike is coming back and I think Arroyo is coming back. I think they're both going to Worcester this weekend. And has he done enough and have his at-bats been gritty enough to to justify staying up here on the big club? And I was thinking not necessarily – not necessarily. And then he had an epic game today. That first hit that was uh, kind of hit halfway out to center field, and it was it ended up being kind of dropped by Loriano. And it was really risky to try to leg that double out, but he did, and he made it. And then he had another at-bat later on in the sixth inning uh, over, I think it was Kolarik, their uh, reliever. And... Kind of similar. It wasn't almost caught, but he really had to hustle to, to get that double, and he got it. And I tweeted out on the, on the podcast account, he is playing like his life depends on it. And I'm at the point now where he better be up. He better be here next, next week. Like, is there – right now, right now, can you justify Franchi Cordero – who was? Where is he? O for six in the series, and he was 0 for the entire last series. Hasn't had a hit since that three for five game against Detroit. Can you justify keeping Franchi Cordero on this lineup over a guy like Michael Chavis? Well,
0: they'll probably end up moving Franchi to AAA. Um, AAA roster's is a little crowded, but they'll try to work him in there. And you'll have Arroyo and Chavis splitting time in all likelihood at second base and having Kike um, and Verdugo split time left and center, which I think, I, you know, I always thought I'd prefer Verdugo in center, but I think I'd rather have Kike. His, his defensive metrics lately well, not lately, but the whole season, are actually top 15 in the league. He's been getting an amazing jump on everything. He's taking terrible routes to it, but um, that just comes with experience in the ballpark. So, yeah, I guess we'll be looking at the spring training battle part two between Chavis and Arroyo, and then obviously – him filling in at first base as well. But yeah, I, I think they're, they've played the roster moves pretty well because they don't want to DFA anyone. They don't want to lose the asset um, like with a brace and everything. Obviously they'll probably try to sneak him through waivers because they do see something in him. Not too sure what, but um, I think they'll be able to play the, the numbers correctly. Once these guys come back from the IL.
2: I would love to see Michael Chavis stay with the big club, I think it's tough just because Arroyo has done nothing but give you hustle either. So I think you know, you can't send him down because he's hurt. You know, he was arguably giving you the tough at bat that Alex Cora loves about Marwin Gonzalez, for example. But if you can find a way to move Franchi Cordero down and, and keep Michael Chavis and maybe play Michael Chavis at left. I know he has some experience there, not a lot. But you're a better ball club with Michael Chavis on your team. It's it's very clear to me that he's sticking with his approach. That's something he talked about when he first got you know called up again. I'm not using this as an audition. I'm going to just stick with my approach. If it sticks, it sticks. If not, oh well. I'll get another chance somewhere at some point. Um, but I'm not going to treat this as an, as an audition because I don't want to you know push my approach. He went one for six in that Baltimore game. The one hit being the home run in the second inning. And uh, everybody was kind of like, oh, well, he hit a home run, so it's fine. But he really went and showed the Red Sox, this is what I can do beyond home runs as far as going forward. He didn't really strike out in this series. Uh, I know he did have that one game where he went over 3 with one strikeout. But he didn't strike out a hell of a lot. He put up some tough at-bat. And like you said, Terry, I mean, hustle, hustle, hustle offensively. Even defensively, he was solid Um he made one good defensive play today, where the ball kicked off the mound and went toward second base, uh, and he made a play that saved probably a base hit. But to me, I just don't know that they'll keep him up. Uh, I'd like to see it. I just don't know that they will. I think they're they're too far down the rabbit hole with Frankie Cordero to move him down at this point.
0: Well, the the crunch in Worcester is actually pretty real because you have Duran in center, you have Marcus Wilson who's been hitting in left, and then you have. Uh, Michael Geddes, who they believe in, they do think they have a diamond in the rough there uh, in right field. And he, I mean, you got Cesar Pueyo DHing. So you could probably just put Franchi full-time at DH and just have him uh, worry about hitting. I think that'd be your safest thing. Uh, The big play happens when Danny Santana is ready to go. That's when they're going to have to make like three or four different roster moves with you know, Chavis will be a part of. Uh, Bryce will be a part of. There's going to be a lot of moving parts here in the next two weeks. So, I think the first Jenga piece will kind of tell us how they want to maneuver this whole situation, which is going to be kind of messy. But, you know, they're going to have to make some decisions, and then it should all fall into place.
2: Yeah, I don't know if the listening audience could tell how excited I was about Michael Chavis in this series. I would have picked him as a stud but Hunter Renfro just edged him out. I think Michael Chavis brings an edge to this team that we need, uh, You know, especially that bottom third of the order. I don't know what he does to, to Bobby Dahlbeck's approach. Bobby Dahlbeck's only hitting 200 right now. Seen a little bit of power from him, not enough just by keeping him here. But I feel like Dahlbeck, at least in the last couple of days, has looked pretty comfortable. So I imagine they've probably already had a conversation with Bobby Dolbeck and said, you're not going down anytime soon. You're not the first guy down. So in, in in my mind, I don't know that they can keep him. They can keep Michael Chavis up. But I think he's a better defensive option in left field than than Frenchie Cordero is. And that's saying a lot because he's not a great defensive left fielder. Uh, and I think he's a better spark offensively.
1: let's put it this way Chavis or no Chavis Franchi Cordero can't be on this team next week he's got to be gone and I don't want to see him again for the rest of the year there's nothing good about Franchi Cordero offensively or defensively so once the Santana thing happens like Andrew said that that should really put the kibosh on on all of it Uh, Xander Bogart's Three for three tonight, had a home run uh with runners on base, I might add. Uh that was a huge problem. He as great of a game as he had tonight, he had a terrible game last night. And uh we'll we'll get into that in a minute here. Uh, but aside from that, I think I've covered just about all of the... Bobby
2: Dolbeck hit a home run today. That was he maybe did. the only other honorable.
1: That was in the meatball part of the game when everybody was, you know, getting... Uh... It was indeed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, he did. He got his third home run of the year. Um, I don't know how much time I really want to spend on uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, I, I can kind of tie him in in a little bit, actually. Uh, so let's move over to to the duds andrew who's your dud for the series mine's been christian vasquez and he's just been slumping for a,
0: an extended amount of time now start off the season great but he is he's regressed uh substantially he had a really really quiet series uh starting in game one let me pull up that's that stat really quick yeah, he went uh that's no, game 2. No, he went 0 for, four with right a, 0 for 4 yeah, 0 with a 0 for strikeout. 4 with a strikeout. Yeah. Yeah. And then he went where would it go? 0 for 3 in game 0 2. 0 for 3, yeah. So, and then tonight didn't do much either, so 1 for 4. That's not what you need. Um, especially if you ever want to consider I know some people mentioned it, like, platooning him at other positions. Like, that's not going to cut it. That bat won't transpire at other positions. So, but, you know, he's a streaky guy. Hopefully he gets it figured out and solved. Didn't really affect him too much this series. Well, because no one was hitting it. It's not like he killed any rallies. So hopefully he figures it back out. We can slide him down to the six hole instead. Of, I think he hit fifth
1: in one of these games. Joe, thoughts on Vasquez? Yeah, I don't, I
2: don't I don't, have too much to add. He has not been good offensively for the last two weeks. He's hitting close to 225 for the last two weeks, bringing his average down to 260. That's not what you love to see. He's good for two things in my mind, uh, which is always a tough at-bat. Usually does not strike out on three pitches. If he's going to strike out, it's going to be five, six, seven pitches. Uh, and then on top of that, he usually puts the ball in play. He's not a huge strikeout guy, which I love. Um, but I I need him to be better if he's going to hit behind Raphael Devers. Devers is taking a career high in walks at this point in the season. We want to continue to see that. We also want to see pitchers have to face Devers. They can't be a Devers or pitch around Devers so that we can face Christian Vasquez. He needs to be a little bit more of a threat if he's going to be in the middle of that order. So not great from him this weekend, uh, or rather this week, but He did call a good game today. I'll give him that. Garrett Richards, you know, gave him big props in his post-game press conference. They were on the same page all night. And honestly, if he can keep the pitching staff, you know, doing what they've been doing, we haven't been shelled in quite a while, um, it's going to be a very good step for us. So I'm I'm not necessarily – I wouldn't have called him a dud, but I'm not too pleased with him.
1: he's been slumping I'm willing to just chalk it up as that because like you guys said he does put together great at bats and he can clobber one clear over the monster or if he has to he can just shoot the ball up a gap just make contact on it and and get a cheap single and, and maybe get someone in from second or third so I I think it's going to come around. Unfortunately, it's it's a slump. slump. Usually you have the June swoon. Maybe he's having his a little early, but uh, he's definitely helping the team in a lot of ways. And this is, we talked about this on the last show. This is the best year he's ever had handling a pitching staff. His ERAs of anyone he's ever caught, with the exception of Eduardo Rodriguez, are north of four. So... I'm, I'm good with it. I trust that it's just a slump. Uh, let's see. Is it me? My dud for the series? All right. I'm going.
2: Uh, unless you want me to, me vote, want Jones, me to... Oh, That was
1: mine. My bad. I'll, uh, yep. I'll,
2: I'll let you wrap it up, Terry, uh, <laughs> so we keep the same format here. I actually Speaking wrote. Speaking of slumps.
1: Go ahead. Yeah.
2: Speaking of slumps, I was just going to go with Alex Verdugo uh, as my dud for the series. He wasn't good in any of these games offensively. He's been slumping for the last two weeks. Another one of those guys who's kind of coming back to earth. We knew he wasn't going to hit 360 all season. All of those tweets comparing him to Mookie Betts and saying he's better than Mookie Betts and look how genius Bloom is, that's that's wrong. He's not Mookie Betts. Everybody slow down. Mookie's slumping. Verdugo's not Mookie Betts. Um, Recently, not been good. In this series, he didn't really have a good game at all, not one of the three. But recently, I'm going to go back to his last seven games because those are the stats I have in front of me. Five hits in his last 31 at-bats. That's simply not going to cut it from your number two hitter, especially hitting in front of J.D. Martinez and in front of Xander Bogarts. We need him to get on base because we know this lineup is not very deep outside of you know the big three sluggers in the middle of that lineup. We need guys in front of them to give them a chance to you know drive them in. And on top of that, you know, without Kike Hernandez, say what you want about, about KK Hernandez in the leadoff spot. Marlon Gonzalez puts a tough at bat, but his OBP is not very high. So you really need Alex Verdugo to be better than he's been. He can't hit 260 or 250 for long stretches if his offense is going to stay awake. And I blame a lot of the offensive struggles this weekend on Verdugo not getting on base and, and just not making contact in key moments. So he's my dud by far.
0: Yeah, he's he's going through some things right now at the plate. uh did have a little of a back ailment, and he's got a history of that. So in the back of your mind, you kind of do wonder if anything's bothering him, if he's nursing something minor, hopefully minor. Uh, at least he's not striking out. I, he's kind of just rolling over on the ball, which is kind of which is what we saw at the beginning of last year. Before he started driving it again, it was like, oh, grab ball second, pop up the right field, grab ball second, pop up he's the pressing. right field. He's pressing. Yeah. and I, I'm not worried. He's. Uh, I was gonna say he's playing great defense, but um, the one when he ran into the wall it reminded me of like a little league play of a kid running into a wall and falling down. But hey, no one will remember because Renfro made
2: game <laughs> right. But he's a spark plug, you know. Yes, needs him. Uh, I just think over the last couple of days, the one thing that I I really just haven't liked about it is. He's been pressing to get on base, trying too hard to do too much because he knows that if the big guys behind him don't do things he wants to carry this team, you can see it on his face in the dugout when he has a bad-at-bat. He's pissed. And oh, yeah. um, generally, I just think that that's what it is. He needs to get in the cage, relax a little bit, and it'll all come with it. So I'm not too upset, but he's by far the dud for this series. Yeah, I'm not worried about him.
1: Uh, I got some really... Ugly stats on him right now that I'm I'm just noticing. Um, tomorrow is May fourteenth, so that'll be today for for uh, the listening audience. May fourteenth, and he's only had two doubles since April fifteenth. Two doubles since April fifteenth. And as far as runs batted in, he's got three since April nineteenth.
2: You can't hold the runs batted in stat against him at all. Terry. The, Think about the bottom third of the order oh, getting on in front of. We're gonna automatic we're, out after automatic
1: out. We're gonna get to that. You're, you're absolutely right. That is a factor, but only two doubles since April fifteenth for, for Dugo. <laughs> that's uh, kind of uh, I don't know. That that's. It's a if little it,
2: concerning that his slugging is down. Definitely,
1: if it feels like he he's colder than he seems, that's why. So hopefully he gets it together. Um, he's usually like Vasquez, a very a very tough at bat. He's he's been clutch at times, uh, more so in the earlier part of the season. But um, definitely a dud. Definitely a dud for the series any more thoughts on verdugo?
0: Not really. He'll figure it out. He works too hard and you know, a day off might do him good too.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, Andrew, you mentioned he might be dealing with an ailment with with a back injury or maybe just, you know, the fatigue of playing every single day. Um this team because of all the injuries and the guys being called up, we don't really have the outfield depth to give him that day off. It it might be, you know, we have to de-age him one day or take him out totally. We just don't have it at the moment in in center field, right field, and left field, have enough good hitters to take him out of the lineup for a day. Uh, We noticed, you know, J.D. played left field tonight. He actually played good left field uh, and gave Xander a day off. That could be something that, you know, we need to see for Verdugo coming up.
1: My dud for the series, and... It's kind of been a theme for this guy. Uh, arguably, he was the worst pitcher in in the series. Everybody else was was pretty solid. Uh, and my dud is Darwin's Darwinson Hernandez. The game that Evaldi started and only gave up two hits got lost when Hernandez came in in the seventh inning, and uh, he he gave up a, a single. And uh, let's see, I thought it was a double, a single, and uh, and a walk. Ugh, I lost it, but
2: I could pull that up for you, Terry. Yeah, that's game one, correct?
1: Game one, the three of two. I just, I just had it. Okay, so
2: Hernandez, it. Hernandez, went one third of an inning, two hits, two more run runs, one walk. One right. of those hits is a double. And it came double, single, walk,
1: right, and uh, one of the runs was uh, ultimately given up by Ottavino, but charged uh, to Hernandez. So, here's what I'm getting at here, and we can we can do some of the dishonorable mentions in with this uh, as well. For starters, let me ask you this. Who do you trust in this bullpen right now outside of Matt Barnes?
0: Uh, I honestly trust Hero. He's coming around. He's getting more and more comfortable. There's a learning curve that comes with, you know, move, not only coming to a new team, coming to a new country, new continent. So I, I'm trusting him. He looks he looked great uh, the other night out, ate up two innings. I trust Whitlock, you know, for what he'll need to be called upon to do. And as weird as this sounds, I trust Valdez in his current role of keep it close and keep it close for three innings. So those are my... Uh, I'll ride with you on a day-to-day
1: basis, guys. Well, I'll, I'll agree with you a little bit on Salamora. Uh, he has been prone to giving up the long ball at times, which is frustrating because I just want to see that splitter so much just disappear right in front of hitters. It's nasty. And I do have some cautious optimism that he's going to be a a high-leverage late-inning guy by the end of the year, whether it's the eighth inning or or what. He's going to find his way into that. I'm not quite there yet. He did, like you said, have a two-inning appearance in the Baltimore series, and he got four strikeouts uh, in those two innings. That was nice to see. Valdez, he hasn't been used in high leverage for the most part. And it's he's got like a three thirty eight ERA, so it looks good on paper. But for whatever reason, we're not seeing him in the, those situations. And then Whitlock, we'll get to in a second, but he's as situational as it gets because we got to, he's got to be managed so critically. So outside of Barnes and and maybe Salamora, if things continue to trend the right way, there's a lot of trust issues. And when Nathan Avaldi, is in a one-to-one game and he's coming out after six to me, it's, it's almost, you can pencil it in for a loss. If we don't, if we don't have a lead by the time of all, comes out, I don't have a ton of confidence. These guys are going to hold it. And that game one got lost when Darwin's and went in there and, and had nothing, no control. He was getting slapped around and, and then we lost the game. And Erod didn't, he came out with, uh, you know, he was behind anyway before he came out, but I, I don't have the box score in front of me. I, I think he had only given up one run before the fifth, and then there was like three runs in the fifth. And he gave up a balk, which is extremely uncharacteristic of of him. Normally he's pretty, pretty locked in and, and handles high pressure pretty well. He can pitch out of jams typically he can give up a home run and he, he doesn't, he doesn't get frustrated. He just locks right back in and goes right back to work. And I just think the lack of run support here is kind of, is kind of wearing on these guys. I meant to look up some of the games where we've only won, we've only scored three or four runs and, and how many of those we've actually won because I don't have a ton of trust in this bullpen and when the bottom third of the order is as bad as it's been. I, I, so, Terry, I have
2: that stat for you. Go um, ahead. From earlier today, actually, I was listening to the baseball reporters on 98.5, the sports club, and Tony Maz had that stat. Uh, the Red Sox are doing better than the rest of the division, granted, uh, in close games. But they're, nine, they're four and 11 in games in which they've scored less than four runs.
1: They're four and 11
2: in games in which they've, they've uh, had a close game, basically games where they've given up less than four runs. They are, I want to say 12 and four. And the other way around is something like four and 11. It's a really strange kind of phenomenon, but basically if this offense doesn't score five runs, we're not winning the game. Um, I think that's the, I might have that stat slightly tweaked, but I'm pretty sure it's four and 11. Um, when we give up uh, – don't score five runs, rather. Not when we give up five runs. When we don't score five runs with four and 11.
1: So, Which plays into my point. So if we're not scoring runs, it's hard to trust the bullpen to win those low-scoring games. Uh, it's They won't. And you
2: guys mentioned Hero as, your, you know, as the guy that you trust next up. I just looked down the depth chart and I'm like, question mark, question mark, absolutely don't trust, absolutely don't trust has been good, has been good. And the guys who have been good and have been good, I'd say recently it's Hero and Sawamora and it's, it's Matt Barnes. And then Ottavino's a question mark and Idris is a question mark as of recent. So you really are at least one arm short. And preseason, we were talking about Darwinson Hernandez being a potential closer. He just hasn't brought it yet. He hasn't quite been... He hasn't been good, really, at all. Uh, He's been mediocre to to not good, and he's been saved from our ire because there's guys like Josh Taylor out there who really, really suck, and and Austin Bryce. So he hasn't really been the target for for too much dislike, but he needs to pitch better, there's no doubt.
0: Well, let me bring it back to Darwinson for a second. And, I mean, quite frankly, he's been – just a riddle wrapped in a mystery wrapped inside an (laughs) enigma. this year. He got off to an absolutely horrendous start against Baltimore, a little, you know, less terrible against Tampa, but then the middle of April, something clicked and he was throwing more fastballs and he did really well for a stretch there for, I think it was a four, four game stretch. And then he got away from that again. So, I don't know what's going on with the game plan that they're asking him to follow. He has to throw fastballs. He can't locate his curveball. He can't even think about throwing that. That has to be in the it can't even be in the back of his mind. He's a lefty, just bring it from a you know two-thirds angle and just work these guys. We only need three three uh three outs out of you. And it will solve a lot of issues with this bullpen because right now they are a little short. They don't trust Bryce, but the 40 spot is a weird situation right now because they are going to have to – they're going to – I mean, he's on – Bryce is on rented time right now. He's going to he's gonna lose it to Santana as soon as he is ready. And then, But a little bit of a bright spot, you have guys that can come up eventually that they have down in AAA – that they don't want to work too hard. They don't want to have them just sit up in Boston. Um we saw Bizarro come up last night. He looked good. He looked good. He looked he looked really good. But they're not going to push him at the beginning of the year. Um I've been saying Kevin McCarthy after him opting in is going to be a decent option. Um a guy like Steven Gonzalez has been stretched out to be the star like number two star uh over in Worcester and he could be your three inning guy like we saw tonight when we went Garrett to Garrett we, we, we can we can bring Steven in there and have him throw two to three innings sorry Josh Taylor who's admittedly looked better so there are reinforcements but they can't bring him up just yet just due to you know inning management roster management
2: are there but, lefty arms down there Andrew or any of those well, guys get, lefty
0: yeah, Gonsalves is a lefty, so he can take that Josh Taylor spot if he's still struggling. And we all know that Bizardo can take Bryce's spot tomorrow, and
2: no one would notice.
0: And then our key of the World Series, we've still got Matt Hall in Worcester. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> there, there are definitely moves to be made, and who, we'll see what Workman does, too. That's another one.
1: Yeah, and if, if McCarthy gets put on, then that that complicates it because he's not on the 40-man, so it just creates more dominoes. Um, yeah, we are kind of pushing it on time a little bit. Um, I wanted to get more into game too because it was so winnable and the bot kind of screwed us and Bogart's – Struck out with the bases loaded. Then he struck out a, or grounded out. He grounded out and he struck out in in one scenario. And the second scenario of which uh, there were runners on first and second, had an absolutely terrible game. Uh, 0 for three with two strikeouts. Marwin Gonzalez had. Did, did you guys see that play at the plate? He probably if he would have went if he would have went like a freight train. He went on and,
2: contact. If, he was gone.
1: Home I light. get what he
0: was trying to do, but he froze up. He wanted the guy
1: he thought he was out. He wanted to get the guy to third, but it
0: he should have just went. He
1: he was in there with a with a pitcher, uh Caprillian, who was making his major league debut, who had the yips. We saw him throw a ball in the center field on a double play. The dude was just deer in the headlights, and he wasn't gonna get the ball to the catcher in time, and, and the the catcher might not have even come up with it. Like, Marwin should have went for it. And then when he turned around to try to go back to third, he tried to do a rundown to advance the runners, and he didn't even do that. It was just... That's the second time he's froze up going to home this year. I think he did in Minnesota, too. <laughs> he had plenty of room to slide, and if, if the catcher was in the way, he could have taken the catcher out. Um, it was just... There was just so many circumstances where that game could have went could have been one and and they blew it so um and then i find those those mistakes that you know especially the running
2: mistakes a lot of those recently have been on the third base coach i find he's letting the runners make up their own mind as to whether or not they want to go home and that's why you're you saw marwin freeze up if marwin's being waved home he's going all the way
0: we're bringing back wendell kim Carlos (laughs)
1: Carlos Feeblis <laughs> is, you know, he's had issues as the third base coach. You know, not putting up the stop sign or the opposite, not running. I don't know how many times Nunez that year was out by like twenty feet every time. Uh, Brock Holt as well. So um, it it could be a it could be a third base coach problem, but it's just it's extremely frustrating. Before we get into the season series, uh, the next series, excuse me. <laughs> I was holding it together until uh, just now, but why was Garrett Whitlock pitching in a what was essentially for him a pitcher we do trust a meaningless outing? We we were up well, seven to nothing. That's when you put Valdez in. That's a Valdez spot. I I get. Well, I thought that at first too, and I was like, all right, well he's probably going to sit down
0: now that Richards got through that thing. But then I was like, you know, they can have Whitlock kind of working on getting a stretched out and b shutting down this game where you don't have to worry about getting one of your a team arms up he shut down the game and we never had to worry about like oh my god now we gotta get barnes up and throwing we gotta get auto vino stirring he let every single guy out there just fully relax so i questioned it at first i actually thought we would see josh taylor warming up um on a commercial, then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I kind of like it. We don't have to worry
1: about this game. It's over. It's absolutely over. Well, okay. I'm not going to like it tomorrow night when Nick Pavetta probably has to come out in the fifth inning because he's a little wonky from his COVID shots. Yeah. And and then guess what? We've got Who's coming in in the sixth? When that could be a Garrett Richards spot to get to.
2: I think that's Andres. You know, you have you have oh. guys now that have a couple oh. of days off. I, I know it's not. I know it's not ideal. But they but... needed to win this game. Right, he, and Cora saw, they saw won.
0: that he they wanted. They were up eight to nothing to get... or eight to one. We saw Austin Bryce come in in like a ten-run game and well, make it close. Don't and, put and Austin Bryce hitters. in.
1: Don't put Austin Bryce in. Put Valdez in. Put put Josh you know, Taylor in. I, I
2: agree with I agree with you on that, Terry. I would have liked to see Valdez there, and then maybe Whitlock for an inning or, or two innings, uh, even. But they've shown that Whitlock's going to be their guy who gets stretched out. They're not going to throw him more than once every three days. So yeah, he's a guy that you probably want to see in a higher levered situation. But he gave the rest of the bullpen the night off tonight, and. We've been talking about how much this bullpen has been used for the last two shows, really the last two weeks, and it's a key factor because if you think about it, early in the season when the bullpen wasn't being overexposed, they were dominant, and we couldn't say anything negative about the bullpen for the first month, really. And then we got into May, and people have been shelled for the last two weeks. So I, I like the move to kind of give everybody a day off, and let's reset. Now Garrett's off the table for three days. Who who do we have? Everybody else.
1: I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories, but the, the there's been some questionable moves the last few series. the the Perez thing. I mean, he's on a one year deal. He's a horse. Why are we protecting him on a on a pitch count? I've already said I don't trust anybody in this bullpen for four innings. I don't know how you get from Perez after only five all the way to Barnes. It's just – it's a stretch, and we're not winning those games.
2: That is a Heimblum mistake.
1: (laughs) I wasn't going there. I wasn't going there. I'm
2: going to go there. That's a Heimblum decision in my mind. Um, And I think that's kind of part of the strategy of management there. But there's a reason we have a three-man bench and – one extra arm in the bullpen, and it's so that we can do that. So, maybe, I don't know. There could be other extending circumstances that we don't know about yet that come out in two, three, four weeks uh, about why Martín Pérez, you know, they don't want to push him too hard because they think we might need him for the stretch run. He's the well, guy who's thrown Cora
0: came on. out, and Cora flat out and just said, we didn't want to face him three righties. He, he just didn't feel comfortable throwing three righties, and I mean... I would have liked him seeing seen him go
2: another, but I mean I get I think it was I think he overmanaged that spot right there. Well there's also, you know, there's the possibility or the fact that Cora has shown us or rather this bullpen has shown us their inability to get runners out if they come on mid. Even guys like Ottavino, every time they come in with a guy on base, they they give up the inherited run.
0: Absolutely. So we
2: don't have bullpen guys outside of barn where if you put it in and there's guys on second and third or first and second with one out, those guys aren't aren't getting stranded. They're coming home. So to me, it's very important that, and probably to Cora, that these guys committing clean innings. Probably what it is.
1: I'm just, there's a pattern. I, I, I brought up the press start, the Mother's Day game. Taylor and Ottavino were coming off of bad outings and and Taylor got a full inning in the seventh, which I thought was crazy. It was just a one or two run game. And then Ottavino, it worked out that day, didn't work out the Perez day, but there's just been some questionable bullpen uh, moves. And I never, ever questioned Alex Cora, hardly ever in 2018, 2019 on his bullpen moves. So... Uh, we'll, we'll keep I'll it. send you
2: an article, Terry, about, by Jen McCaffrey of The Athletic. For readers who have The Athletic, you can go and find this as well. I'll post the link to it on my Twitter feed. She wrote about how this is the new Red Sox mentality. They're going to give their starters five, and that's it. And if they push it to six, that's a Cora decision, not a, you know, a management decision. But if they go five and they get pulled, that's what the Red Sox want to do.
0: I think – I mean, I was big on that going into the year. I really didn't think anyone was going to go over uh... – 175 this year and I kind of feel like in the second half or maybe you know two-thirds through the season we're going to see a lot of arms coming up from Worcester that can throw multiple innings so I we there's so many pitching injuries going on throughout the league that we we've never seen people have to ramp up like this after ramping de- you know they had spring trading they shut down they came back, did second spring training, then through 60 condensed, condensed games. It's it's just a battle of the unknown, and I think they're playing it really safe. And if they can get through this and make the playoffs, it might pay dividends, uh, to have your starters not have thrown 210 innings, we're just I mean, not set up for lead, that.
2: Like even Degrom
0: are getting hurt, but well, we're not. But, but I think they're going to rely on, like I said, the like the Gonzalez's of the world, um, if they come back healthy, the Houks and the Seabolds of the world. And I do think that they're going to try to make these six, five to six inning pitch, uh starting
1: pitching appearance games. If we had that, a that's lineup raised north. If we had a lineup that sorry, ahead, could, sorry. if we had a lineup that could score runs, and I'm I'm worried about now. I mean, this next month is critical if we're talking about a playoff run. So some of these guys are weeks away still, but we don't we don't have a lineup that's that's going to be giving these guys some run support, and and we don't we don't have enough consistent arms to go four innings. I just that's where I get really pessimistic, but. We're, we're pushing it, what so I'm, let's just get into the series. Hearing, Go ahead. What I'm
2: hearing for you, Terry, is that you want Durant. That's what I'm hearing. You want more <laughs> offense? You want Terry Durant. I like
1: it. We, we didn't get into it tonight, but I want Casas. We'll, we'll get into it another show. We'll, we'll get some Hot Take Tuesday questions on some prospects. But uh, let's just get into this series real quick. Um, at quick glance, I think it, it looks okay. It looks okay for us. So, uh, starting on Friday, game one. It's a three-game set against the Anaheim Angels. Griffin Canning, who is not having a good year, five nineteen ERA. Not really a, a great pitcher anyway. Against Nick Pavetta, we're just hoping Pavetta is is normal and and the the second shot that he just had uh, with the vaccine isn't gonna um, have ill effects like it might have had with some other guys. Uh, you know, a, a couple weeks ago. So a lot of velocities dipped for a start or two is what I'm saying with Evoldi, Perez, uh, Erods, I I think was something else, but um, so, yeah. So what do we think about game one, Canning versus pavetta
0: Yeah, I think we're going to need to score some runs tomorrow. Honestly, I've kind of always liked uh, Griffin. So, I'm a little biased there. I always thought he had really good, pretty above average stuff. I but it's the Angels. I don't know. There's just something about the Angels that I see. I'm like, we should win this.
1: Yeah. Well, Well, the Angels
2: are an underperforming team. Right? They're an underperforming team. So I I kind of agree with you, Andrew. Perry, you were gonna say?
1: Canning is coming off a two straight win, so you know, we could be catching him at the wrong time. So Andrew's probably right
2: um we could be but if you look at his his splits and I'm I'm just pulling up from so far this season right he's made six he's played in six games five starts 26 innings pitched 26 hits 15 earned runs 10 walks to 30 strikeouts he's walking a lot of guys and if he's giving free passes to the bottom third of this lineup then we're going to win this game so to me this one I
1: pencil in as a win. I'm taking Pavetta at face value, it should be a win. I agree. Uh, game two, Dylan Bundy, who has you know kind of had our number at times, and uh, Martín Pérez. Interesting matchup. Uh, Bundy is zero for four on the year. Um, thoughts there. Dylan Bundy's going to be good for seven innings
0: of one-run ball. It's going to be f- so freaking annoying. <laughs> so I'm going to give him a loss on this one. Uh, there's just something about him. I, God, I was so happy to see him leave. And now I'll, he's back.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can't call this one. I'm going to be honest. And, and my reasoning isn't Dylan Bundy's going to shut us down, which he could. He's been good at doing that in the past. My reason is that I don't know what bullpen arms are going to be available in this game, and we know because because of Pavetta's COVID shot, we know, or COVID vaccine effects, and we know that we're probably going to need some bullpen arms tomorrow. Our long guy in Whitlock probably still not going to be available day after tomorrow, um, and then on top of that, we know Perez is only good for five innings, maybe six if we want to let him fight through some trouble. So, to me, uh, I pencil that one probably as a, a four to two loss, if I had to get.
1: Uh, yeah. Bundy has uh, pitched us well. And Alex Cora owes Perez at least another inning. So, I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I, I'm going to say that's a loss, too. How's that? Uh, game three. I think we're going to be unanimous on this one. Jose Quintana, a nine zero zero ERA on the year against Nathan Avaldi. That's a win, I, I would say. You know, he was a big
0: fan favorite of a target this offseason, and Jesus, thank God they didn't end up getting him because. His, his best days are behind him. Who did they? Who did the Cubs trade? They got Eloy Jimenez, I think, for him. They did. Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, that's going to be his lasting legacy. Quintana is over the hill. Uh, this should be a win. That saying, I'd probably just jinx
2: the
1: perfect games. <laughs> nah.
2: So I was looking. I was just looking for who they got in that trade out of curiosity, Andrew. Because I also was thinking, oh my god, I can't believe like Quintana is this at this point in his career. He's only twenty eight years old. He's not old uh, by any means, but his his game is so off that I wonder if maybe he needs Tommy John or something. Uh, his velocity is down. His control is gone. Uh, he's walking guys left and right, and his whip is like in the high two. It's a two four at the moment. Um, we should easily beat him, and this is another one of those games, Terry, Where I would expect this probably to be Eduardo Rodriguez handed off to Garrett Whitlock, if I had to guess. Uh, and we don't use too many bullpen arms. No,
1: that's uh, Nathan Avaldi in that start.
2: Ah, okay. Well, it's similar. Either either one of those. I don't know why I had E-Rod in mind, but Avaldi straight into Garrett Whitlock, or or maybe you know takes it to Ottavino and Barnes. I just don't see any of those. Bridge guys, quote unquote, that we don't necessarily trust on the B squad, as we've come to refer it to, have to get in that game.
1: Well, I think we could potentially be up seven to one, eight to one, and that start, and then you'll you'll have a ton of options at that point, as long as Austin Bryce isn't one of them. Uh, so I, I'm confident. If I can't be confident about that game, we're we're in big trouble. So um, I, I think that's going to be a win. So we're we, catching the
2: A's at the right time, uh, the Angels, rather. The Angels have been slumping, underperforming, and we don't have Otani. Uh, we don't have to face Otani.
1: So. You know, I'm so mad we're not facing Yeah, him. I was just about to say it. You know, <laughs> it might not have gone well for us, but it would have been fun to watch. Very much. We're still going to get to watch him hit
2: bombs over the monster. So that'll be, yeah. still be cool. I would imagine he'll probably still DH in some of these games. Maybe even play some right field. but. We're not facing, I think, the best pitcher that they have. We're facing their three, four, five. So this should be fun.
1: Yeah, it should. So with that, we will wrap and we'll be back on Sunday. Uh, not going to lie, we tried to shorten it up and we did by about 20 minutes or so, but we're going to have to be shorter uh, in the future. So it was a good practice run, but we'll be back with Charlie and Jason on Sunday to talk about this Angel series. So we will see you then. Take care.